I'm Austin Bechtel with your fan headlines. Pitt basketball, big win last night in Charlottesville against Virginia, 74-63 to on the road. Blake Hinson had 27 points in the victory. Panthers have won four in a row, now fifth place in the ACC as Virginia's 23-game home winning streak came to an end. Panthers return, return home on Saturday to face Louisville at 6.30. Penguins host the Florida Panthers tonight, PPG Paints Arena at 7.30. Pens are currently 11 points out of third in the Metro. It's Philadelphia, seven back of the final wild card spot with 53 points on the season. And pitchers and catchers report today to Bradenton as the Pirates' season in spring training just about to begin. Headlines are powered by Bowser and Genesis of Monroeville. Now open for more, go to 937thefan.com right now. The Starkey Show. Yeah, I forgot it was Valentine's Day again, and I'm already in trouble. It's early, yet more trouble ahead. And the thing is, I remembered last night, I cooked my wife a nice dinner. Really nice, if I might say so. Myself in there, Mr. P. There it goes again. <laughs> I, I think I have to go Mr. P. You know, Pompey Annie, I heard, backed me up on Monday. I sent him a nice text, a congratulatory thank you. Why, Mr. what did Pompey. he do? Suppo I was told that he backed me up on Monday, saying oh, that... I thought he got another award. Mr. P is either... He was supposedly, I think, hosting a banquet last night or some type of nice, nice function. But well, he's always hosting something. He's, uh, he well, the Mr. That, P ad from the Super Bowl. Yeah. That meant a lot. I mean, the name is out there in the public consciousness now. I almost feel obligated. I'm going to test both city limits yeah. and, and Mr. P for our friend Austin Bechtold sitting right next to me, really. Although there's glass between us, which creates a little bit of separation. A little which bit is of a healthy, border. I think. Speaking of Pompeiani, you know what? Let's forget Valentine's Day. I'm already in uh, shrimp, cilantro shrimp was the uh, order of the day last night, the order of the night. She was very happy. I, I felt like that was our Valentine's Day celebration, but somehow it didn't lead into today. Things could get ugly here. How do I, how do I recover? Well, I think Valentine's Day is overrated. But so do I. I'll send her a nice text today and see what she wants to do tonight. Our cards, flowers, and chocolates oh, just so overdone. She doesn't even want those, and I'm sick of getting them. Do we feel obligated to get these things? What's the unique gift now? There is none. Exactly. There is none. Nobody wants that stuff. She doesn't want it. She doesn't want flowers or candy. It's, it's a waste. And you already did dinner. The flowers die. The candy's not eaten. And I already did dinner. I'll we, do dinner again. I'll take her to dinner. Anything. We should be taking Paul Zeiss's love advice from earlier on today on the what morning did he show. Have to say, well, he basically was just saying how much of a delicate balance it has to be, and he was telling all kind of elaborate stories. Honestly, I don't even know what the takeaway was from Zeiss's stories. Well, that's often the case. Um, why don't we start with a six pack here? It's Wednesday, isn't that our tradition? Uh, oh no, I wanted the Pompiani. You saw that there's a study. Going on in town, a ninety million dollar study? No, ninety thousand. <laughs> if it was ninety million, it's ninety million to for the team. You could pay ninety million for a team. That's 90, the Pirates' 000. payroll. More if than that. the Pirates' payroll. Yeah, more than yes. the Pirates' payroll. To see if we should have a study, to see if we should have an NBA or WNBA team, and if it was well, if it was either, but especially an NBA team, the Pittsburgh Pompeianis would be unbelievable. Pipers is already taken. Penguins, Steelers, Pirates, Taken, Condors used to be an ABA team. Uh, some horrible names like the Pittsburgh Explosion for a CBA team. <laughs> the the Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh Power. Pittsburgh Power is taken. Team. Right. It's all been taken. 
the Pittsburgh Pompeianis. Bob would be the play-by-play guy, right? Yeah. Him and Benzie together, I think, could do that. And the name would be, it would be the greatest name in all of sports. What would they have as their logo? A mugshot of Bob, like the one they ran at the Brighton Hot Dog Shop? It'd on be the just cups. like the cup with Ron. Include Ron on the logo. It had to be a celebratory right? alternate. It would, <laughs> would be so good. The Pittsburgh Pompeianis. Everybody comes to the game dressed like Bob. The men wear suits and coif their hair up. Would that be tremendous, Ima- Mr. P? Imagine teams coming in and their opposing broadcasters trying to pronounce the Pompeianis. They'd yeah, be they'd, like the pump, Pompeianis, pump, Pompeianis. They'd be intimidated every time. Let's crack a six-pack, shall we? I'll tell you where we open today. City Limits. And it's a place I love to open up with. A place I love to open, I should say. It's Pitt Basketball. And what a win last night. I've said many times this is a better sports town when Pitt Basketball is winning. It just is. It was a Tuesday night. A freezing cold Tuesday night. Normally, maybe you're lucky to get a Penguin game, but normally you got to go elsewhere, outside the city for your sports on a Tuesday night, right? Or, you know, whatever, a Thursday night in January. Pitt lit up this Thursday night with a gigantic win. Virginia doesn't lose at home. I think they lost 23 straight. They don't give up any points at home. Something like 57. Pitt puts 74 on them. And I was happy as a lark. Happy as a stark, you might say, watching that game. It's just we're better. It's more exciting. You remember when Pitt basketball, how old were you when Pitt basketball, when were you born? 2001. Oh, my God. You were three when Pitt basketball was at their height. They were the hottest ticket in town. You may find that hard to believe. Pitt basketball was the hottest ticket in town. It's just more fun, and this is a fun team. We're going to talk to Blake Henson later. It's off the top, I might add, brought to you by J.P. Roofing and Siding. We have a jam-packed show. General Patton. Fort McHenry, Mark Cabali, Blake Hinson, and Jason Mackey. Necessarily in that order, I might add. What a day we have. Did you watch the game last night? I mean, it was it was fabulous. They, they It was their best all-around game of the season. They've now won at Duke, at NC State, and probably most impressively at all, because Duke was missing two starters that night. Most impressively of all, they went in and smacked Virginia, which was red hot. They were 10-3 and three in the conference, 19-5 and five overall. And Pitt was great. They were pretty balanced last night. They were tough. They have shot makers. Probably the best shooting team they've had in the 21st century. Maybe, maybe there are some numbers that wouldn't back that up. But here's the thing. They have guys that can get their own shots at times. They're a, I'm going to say this, and I'll say it out loud because I'm on the radio, Mr. P., This is the single most dangerous offensive pit team of the 21st century. You like that? That's saying a lot with the the Juan Blair, LeVance Fields teams. They didn't have shooting, sadly. Some did. Ronald Ramon was a really good shooter, guys like that, but not like this, man. I think they have an NBA player in the future in Carrington. Uh, Henson is unbelievable when he's on, and they have lots of other guys. They took 32 threes last night. 32, and they were 14 of 32. That's how you win tournament games. That's how you score upsets. Is you just start lighting it up from outside, and this team can do it, and they have guys that are 
tall enough, strong enough, tough enough, smart enough to get their own shot when they want it. And that's another thing those teams of old sometimes lacked. Did you see the game? I did. I think I had them going 23-10 and 10 overall. Yeah, and you a, might be right on pace. A couple of weeks ago, that was really not looking plausible whatsoever. But I just like how much more talented they are this year. Last year's team, we know, was maybe not deeper, but they were more of a better collective team with a lot of veterans, a lot of guys that are now playing yeah, overseas. I would agree with that. It was an older, more experienced team that yes. knew how to play together. And it took this team a little while to really just be able to function. Bob Carrington had a triple-double in his first game of his career in college basketball. After that, the game kind of caught up to Last, him a I agree bit. with you. But Last year's team was better. This year's team is more dangerous. Crack one. For him and Lowe to just continue to explode for this team, I mean, it's been huge for their guards. Jason Mackey coming on later today. Pitchers and catchers report. Let's go. That's either a day of jubilation around Major League Baseball or a day of dread if you've been here for most of the last, I don't know how many years. But I'm kind of looking forward to this season. And Mackey reports today that there could be some pitching news. Edward Cabrera, maybe, is a candidate. He said the Pirates, not Cabrera, Mackey said the uh, Pirates are going to aggressively go after pitchers and that something could happen today. God bless me. Now Cabrera uh, strikes people out. Like, 118 strikeouts in less than 100 innings last year. Unfortunately, he's also wild, but he's a guy that you'd like to see them take a chance on. One of those guys that if you can sort of harness his potential, could be a two or a three for you. He could be. He's got that kind of talent. So he's talking about that, a couple of other people. We'll be tracking that all day, and we'll be talking to Mackey after Shelty's first address of spring training. What do you have as a win total right now? City limits. Last year they won 76. I think it's got to be over that. I'm looking at about 80, 81. Yeah, me too. If they get Cabrera and he becomes the type of guy who could be a solid middle of the rotation guy with the upside to potentially be a two, not a one, maybe even a three with Paul Skeens in June. And if some of the, if O'Neal Cruz back probably wins you three or four more games. Not having Andy Rodriguez and Johan Oviedo hurts, but if you continue to address and add more City pitching, limits, you're analyzing the entire roster. All I wanted was a win total. 80 right now. Thank you. I have 81. With the chance for more. <laughs> Thank you very much. With the chance for more. Do you like this guy, Pittsburgh? Do you find him talkative, too talkative, or just enough? He's a different man than Folsey. Folsey was a very kind-hearted man. Not that City Limits is not kind. He's incredibly kind, but there's more of an edge to him. Different strokes for different folks. How do you feel so far, City Limits? Do you think Pittsburgh's going to take to you? I hope so, but, you know, I just try to be myself and hope that people see that and it's reciprocated through just conversations and talking to people. Did you hear our, our segment, Text in the City, yesterday? I have the text line if we want to do it again. We might do that again to end every show, Text in the City. We used to do something that everybody hated called the, uh, what the hell was that called? Some sound off thing. Oh, the 540 free for all. Oh, I remember yeah. that. You're, you do? No, I wasn't here for it, but I remember listening to it when it was on the air. So you were the one. Yeah, everybody hated that. The one that. that what? The one that, the only person that liked yes. it? Yes. I lis- I loved it. I thought it was great. We had uh, Ozzy, Lightning Ozzy, was that his name? Some crazy people calling in and just ranting. I thought it was fun. 
So text in the city, I think, can work. And I don't know why I'm talking about that. Can you crack another one? Did I say 81? Yes, 81. 81. Um, <clears throat> Mitch Trubisky could be headed back to Buffalo. What will you remember most about the Mitch Trubisky era in Pittsburgh, Mr. P? Throwing the ball about 50 yards down the field and it getting intercepted or throwing it out of bounds and losing to the Cardinals. I think I'll remember the halftime blow up with Deontay Johnson, even though I didn't see it. Obviously, I wasn't in the locker room at halftime. That seemed to change the entire traje trajectory of Trubisky. Try saying that 10 times in a row. But it did. He was basically done then and was just so bad at times this year. And Tomlin waited too long. And you know the story from there. And I don't know. He seems like a nice guy, as Peter King said when he was on with us. But good luck to him if he goes back to Buffalo. I still think he's a functional backup. Could be a functional backup. In the right situation, and this was not the right offense for him, it wasn't the right offense for really any quarterback other than Rudolph the final four games. Man, that sounds good. You said you're more of a whiskey guy, yes? More of a rum guy, yeah. Rum. Yeah, yeah. I'm sorry, rum. And you drink it with Coke? Yes, just like Ron. And I told you the story of my horrible night drinking rum and jolts. I remember. I wasn't the type to have one either. One wouldn't have been problematic. Jolt was like a high-powered caffeine shot directly into your veins. And I had several. And the evening didn't end well, I can tell you that. Just a recipe for disaster. Um, Brad Spielberger from Pro Football Focus, everybody's favorite website. He was on a podcast yesterday, and it came up that Mike Tomlin is allegedly a big fan of Justin Fields, and Brad Spielberger said, here's the thing, by the way, about Pro Football Focus, that as much as all of you hate it, unless, of course, tomorrow they have an article defending a Steeler, then you love it. I get it. I do the same thing. I use Pro Football Focus to augment my arguments, and then I rip them at the same time. Um, they are subscribed to by, I think, virtually every NFL team. So I think over the years, these people have come to know NFL people. They have NFL people have worked there. They have contacts there. Bobby Slovic. And is it Ben Johnson? Two of the hottest play callers in football have ties there. I'm forgetting who else worked there, but Slovic was one who worked at Pro Football Focus. Right. So obviously, over the years, these people have major contacts in the NFL. So Spielberger says, and I quote, I can tell you also some people in the Steelers' front office are fans of Justin Fields. How about them apples, Mr. P? It's kind of apparent. I keep saying that every day this week. <laughs> I keep saying how about them apples. It's apparent if Adam Schefter's saying it, and I know some people like to shoot it down because of some of his credibility issues with mid-2000s reports with the Steelers, but if he's coming out and saying it, there's a high likelihood he's heard something that Tomlin, yeah, likes Justin Fields. And there were reports dating back to the draft when Fields went 11th overall that Mike Tomlin liked him if he potentially fell. I mean, there's a lot to like. There's still major questions out there. And I know we've had the topic of you can usually tell with a quarterback around 25 games. That's the Bill Walsh line that Brian Billick relayed to us. But with this guy, he was in Chicago, for God's sakes. I mean, you pull him out of there. He finished ninth in the MVP voting two years ago. Ninth in MVP voting. 
He threw for, let's see here, 17 touchdowns, and he ran for like 1,300 yards. I mean, the closest Kenny Pickett will ever get to MVP voting is if he goes to the show. And you you brought up Brad Spielberger. He was on the morning show yesterday and said that Justin Fields is the best athlete in the NFL. And did mention Lamar Jackson is also in that conversation. He seems to be the type of player that Arthur Smith would love. That Tomlin, I think, would love. I mean, he spent the last how many years talking how much he loves about mobile quarterbacks. But, man, it would get complicated, wouldn't it? What do you do? What would you do if you bring in Justin Fields? Declare him the starter? Stage a phony competition like Tomlin did two years ago? Kenny Pickett goes to the wayside. That, that's pretty much what you're admitting if you go get Justin Fields, that you believe that he's going to be your future at quarterback. I know, that's the thing, and it, it – you hit on something there. The second that Tomlin said, the second he said, we want competition, you're admitting that you don't believe in Kenny Pickett. Because the last thing on earth you ever want is competition at the quarterback position. You want it to be so obvious that nobody would even think there could ever be competition. So as soon as you say that, and as soon as you say it's a huge year for Kenny Pickett, well, you're telling the world that you don't really believe in him. And I don't blame you, by the way. And if you had a chance to get Justin Fields, I, I don't know what what would happen to Pickett. What, what do you do with him? It would be a terrible situation for him. I guess you just make him the backup. You can, here's the thing, too, Mr. P. You can't have a legitimate competition in training camp. No, you can't. Or in OTAs. Like, what are we talking about here? Yeah, he looked great uh, uh, in the seven-on-seven drill today. Just unbelievable. Like, you bring in Justin Fields – Half the reason is because he's, he's an incredibly dynamic runner who keeps plays alive. So what does a training camp competition where nobody can touch him or go near him have to do with that? Was it a competition when Mitch Trubisky was signed here and Kenny Pickett was drafted in the first no, round? No, it wasn't. Not at all. So how much of a, conver- of a competition would this even be? You can't have one. That's the point. It's, it's going to be one of two things, I think. Either Pickett with a caretaker who's clearly the number two like Ryan Tannehill or in quotes, competition, which is to say somebody who comes in here and is the number one. Russell Wilson, Fields. Uh, Somebody mentioned Garoppolo today. I don't know about that. He might fit in the first category. But would I be a fan of this? Yes. Is it complicated by Fields' contract situation with that 50-year option hanging over everything? Yes, it would be very complicated. But look around the AFC. This is a disaster right now. And I'm not saying that, that that I wouldn't be curious to see Pickett with a real coordinator. I would. But it's an arms race. And 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 who said that a couple years ago? Oh, our friend Berkey. They're going to a, knife, uh, a gunfight with a knife here. That's what they're doing. If you're talking about just physical traits, what is Kenny Pickett's defining trait? Justin Fields is a big arm. He can run. He's mobile. Yes, turnovers are an issue, and Kenny Pickett does not turn the football over, but we still can't pinpoint one thing that Kenny Pickett specifically does well. And they always talk about, whether it be Tomlin, Rooney, intangibles. How much of those intangibles off the field are necessary when you go on the field and can't produce? I want to see tangibles. I agree with you in that. Next. Crack one, please. Thank you, Mr. P. I don't know if you saw the Edmonton Oilers last night, but Connor McDavid had six assists. <laughs> six of them. So 
I said a couple of weeks ago to Ron, you remember him, Ron Cook? I do. I miss him. Me too. I'm I texted gonna, him on Super Bowl Sunday. Did you? I'm going to te- check in with him today again. He's a very nice man. <clears throat> and I miss having the back and forth in here. Again, that's no statement on you, Mr. P. I'm enjoying this thoroughly. But I said to Ron, there's no way McDavid can catch Kucherov. And now I look up and it's 13 points. He could get that tomorrow night. I mean, this is this guy is, I think he's going to win the scoring title still. He's going to pull a Mario like Mario did at least once the, the year he caught up to LaFontaine. He had like 800 points to go and it took him three weeks. You know, it's, it's crazy when you're at that level what you can do. Next. Bengals going to franchise T. Higgins. I almost said, how about them apples? But I won't. So the Bengals are going to come back. They screwed up their defense this year with a couple of moves they made. But a healthy Joe Burrow with Higgins and Chase and whoever else, if they're not the favorites in the division, they're certainly going to be a heavy favorite for second and a wild card spot. And their offense is light years ahead of the Steelers because of their quarterback, right? And now you have his weapons coming back. Tyler Boyd might be out there. Would you be interested in him? I certainly would. I'd be very interested. Just see what he can do in the slot, create. The Steelers need a third wide receiver. Pat Fryermuth really did not become that. He can because apparently Arthur Smith loves tight ends, and he didn't properly utilize Kyle Pitts, but the tight end was used a lot in Tennessee. It would make sense for Tyler Boyd to come here. Now, would he want to after all he's said about the Steelers in the past? Nah, nobody cares about that, Mr. P. That's, get forgotten? Uh, who cares? What do you say? The Steelers quit all the time? I Lewis, don't care. I'd bring him in. By the way, Lewis Riddick, the latest in line. Justin Fields, an ideal fit in Pittsburgh. An ideal fit. I think a lot of people around the NFL feel that way. Next. Thank you, City Limits. I'm wondering about a couple of other guys who didn't get cut the other day and if they still will. And I believe next month would be the month they would. One is Larry Ogunjobi, who, if some of your draft picks had actually panned out, he would be a prime candidate to be cut because he's not living up to his contract. He's a a one-play-a-game guy. But because you have failed... Benton being the obvious exception, I think he's going to be really, really good. Um, You have to keep him, and I think they will. And I don't like that. I think that's a lot of money for him. We said it the day that he got signed, too much money, not a good contract, guy approaching 30, he's had his share of injuries, seems to always be banged up even when he's playing, and seems to make about, well, one play a game. So... I'm not sure about that. And then what about Patrick Peterson? What about him? Are these guys that at this stage in their careers that you win with? I don't know. I kind of liked Peterson as a safety. but he And I also love his presence. But, man, I'm just not sure as the years move on here if he's a guy that you win with. Next. Why, thank you, City Limits. Allen Robinson's another one. He survived the first round. Tim Lewis, the erstwhile, if that's the correct word, Steelers defensive coordinator from a long time ago, is now going to Boston College to be their coordinator under Bill O'Brien. Good for Tim Lewis. I love that guy. 
I think he's a very smart man. So best of luck to him at Boston College. And man, I remember his Kendrell Bell stories. I just told one the other day when Larry Foote came on and said that Kendrell Bell was by far the most explosive football player that he's ever seen. And Tim Lewis had told me years earlier about the famous play in training camp where Kendrell Bell went over the top as a rookie and lit up Jerome Bettis, which just didn't happen. Never happened and never would happen again because Bettis would never go into that drill again. Tim Lewis said Cower told him, Timmy, I can't just start Kendrell Bell this early in camp. You know, you kind of have to make him earn it type thing. I, I can't just throw him in the starting lineup. Well, then the goal line drill happened. And as Lewis put it, Kendrell Bell turned Bettis ass backwards. Tim Lewis turns to Cower and says, Bill, did you see that? Cower shook his head yes and said, Timmy, put him in the lineup from now on. And what a great player he turned out to be for a very short period of time. All right, Limits, let's move on here. Let's get to a little hockey talk next. How about that? I wrote this morning about my long and interesting relationship and often non-relationship with Yarmir Yager, who's going to get honored Sunday, as we all know. Did you give me the reads, Limits? I think so. Where'd I put them? I don't see any reads here. Now I'm panicking. Where'd they go? They were just in front of me. Did I throw them out? Yeah. No, I'll print some more. All right. Um, It was never boring with Yags, I can tell you that much. And our relationship went from initially very good to horrendous. It seemed like within hours. I'll tell you about all that coming up next. I'm Austin Bechtel with your fan headlines. Penguins, Panthers tonight, PBG Paints Arena at 7.30. Pens 11 points out of third place, Philadelphia in the Metro. Seven back at the final wild card spot. 53 total points for the Penguins on the season. Tomorrow, second game of a back-to-back, the Pens are on the road at Chicago at 8.30. Headlines are powered by Bowser and Genesis of Monroeville. Now open for more. Go to 93.7thefan.com. Fan Twitter brought to you by South Hills Kia and Peters Township. Visit them at SouthHillsKia.net. Fan Hotline presented by Sullivan Super Service, providing trusted plumbing and HVAC service for over 50 years. And the text line, which is very important today because our new segment is text in the city later on in the show. So our friend uh, City Limits here will be monitoring the text as we go along. That's brought to you by... Edgar Snyder and Associates Personal Injury Law Firm, where they always say there's never a fee unless we get money for you. Yarmir Yager. Wow. He had a profound impact on me, and I think I had an impact on him. It was a very interesting relationship, sometimes a non-existent relationship. And I wrote all about it for the Post-Gazette today. You can check that. Uh, piece out at postgazette.com. Let me set the scene. I was a first-time beat writer in 1997, so the 97-98 season, first season without Mario. He was already then pretty much the best player in the world. And things started off great. I mean, I was nervous. Here I am. I've got a, a professional sports beat, 
I'd been covering, you know, Freeport football months before that and things like that, high school sports, some college sports, West Virginia, I was a football beat writer. Suddenly, here I am, and it's the Penguins of all teams with the best player in the world. And it started off great. I did a piece in training camp in September. I was going back and looking at all this over the course of the week. And sat down with Yager, and he opened up in a way that I'm not sure he's opened up like since then or before then. I mean, I was asking him stuff like, you know, how hard is it to, to trust people? He said, I don't trust anybody. I was born with that. Very tough in this world to find somebody you can trust. I test them more than once. Asked about his persona, which I had been following, even though I wasn't covering the team and knew about. And I'd heard that his parents were very strong people. And I asked him, do you consider yourself to be a strong person? He says, I try to be. I'm not. I just act that way. I've got too much feeling to be a tough person, Yager said. I got to act like I do because a lot of people will take advantage of me and hurt me. Sometimes you got to be mean. I know it's not me, but it has to be that way. I just have to act tough, be cocky. I thought that's that's like pretty revealing stuff. And whatever you want to say about Yag's good and bad, he was really, really smart. Really smart. Street smart, wise beyond his years, philosopher smart, hockey smart. All of that. I remember Kevin Constantine telling me that Yager would be, you know, falling asleep practically in meetings, didn't look like he was paying attention. And then at the end of the meeting, if you asked him to go up and draw it on the board, he would do it. It reminds me of what Bill Belichick would say about Lawrence Taylor, who would literally fall asleep during a meeting. But at the end of the meeting, Belichick would test to see who knew best what he was talking about, and it was LT. And it was Yager, like... You know, even in his sleep, the information was seeping in. But then a very interesting thing happened, and not a good thing for me. That story came out. I was writing for the Trib back then. And it was a really, really, you know, complimentary and good story. And then without warning, one day not long after that, Yager completely cut me off. Seemed to be angered by something. Now, I've always thought it was one of my competitors who poisoned the well by telling him something, but I don't know. Yager would never say, could never get a, a, a reason why, but it was ridiculous. It got to the point, I mean, it would just get worse and worse. We would have scrums around his locker, and he would not talk unless I left the scrum. Imagine that, little Mr. P. Imagine if someone gave you tomorrow the job of covering the Steelers every day, and they still had Ben, and Ben wouldn't talk to you. But more than that, he would make a, you know, make a big deal of not talking to you. Wouldn't talk to anybody else if you were involved in the scrum. It'd be a conceded point of emphasis, to not, especially not to say anything of note whatsoever if there was going to be anything said. I mean, it was, because of you. it was crazy. And it was like, how am I going to survive here? I'm trying to cover the best player in the world, and he, for whatever reason, Suddenly, without warning, he ain't talking. 
I would have, I remember Dale Gurdnick and other people who were in the scrum with Yager feed me the quotes afterward. I would sit down and listen to their tape. I mean, it was ludicrous, uh, but I managed to survive. And then I covered him from that year, 97, 98, to the end of his career here, whenever that was, a one or two right in there. And, man, at times, at times he would warm up. At times it would be downright hostile. Hostile. I don't know how to say that word after all these years. At other times it would just be uh, frosty, and then, you know, sometimes it would be funny. It was just, it was quite a show. And the show on the ice as I wrote today, you know, you feel like for those of us, all of you out there who witnessed it, it's like people who got to see the Beatles in concert, you know? How lucky were we to see a superstar? I was talking to Steige uh, yesterday as well. That word gets thrown around way, way, way too much. Superstar. There's stars in the league, you know? But superstar, there's been you know, 10 or less in NHL history, I think. Superstars. Well, hockey, less so than a lot of other sports. There's just not as many notable figures that, I mean, I'm sure Yager is the type of guy that you go around anywhere in Pittsburgh, they know about him, even if he's, they're not hockey fans. Exactly. He is a superstar. He was a prodigy. He was a, he was a legend. I remember one time at South Point, a couple of years after everything broke off, he was sitting at his locker. I've told this story many times. People had cleared out after practice. I think it was just me and him. Maybe one of the other Czech guys rolling in and out. Stra- there, were, there were enough of them, believe me. Straka, Lang, Slager, Baranek, somebody like that. And Yager went back into the back and came back into the locker room with a giant framed photo of himself and said, you need to take this home and pray to it. Which was a great line. And I said, I don't think I will, but thank you. I remember another day, I used to play basketball after practice at South Point. We'd go over to like the soccer field, but it was really thin turf in there, whatever it was, lacrosse, soccer, something. So you could bounce a basketball on it. We'd set up the little makeshift hoop there, and I would play games with Constantine, the coach, and his assistants, Troy Ward, Donnie Jackson. Remember him? The big, huge assistant coach. He was like chief from one floor over the cuckoo's nest in those games. He would just walk around in these two-on-two basketball games, but he would block shots, make layups, get rebounds. It's incredible. Don Jackson. And if I recall, it was me and him against Constantine, who was an absolute pit bull, and Troy Ward. And then Yager loved basketball. We'd go on the road to these arenas, you know, basketball, hockey arenas, and if they still had the basketball stuff up somewhere, uh, you would often see him just taking shots. So one day he came in and wanted to play, and he had big boots on, like cowboy boot things. And he wanted to play in them, so we just had a shooting contest with him. That stands out in my mind. Of him leaving the arena, but he stopped for a little shooting contest. I remember another time. Um, 
I was the only reporter on the road in Boston one day. Like some days, and the other beat writers know, you just hit a day where other people are traveling or you know, the Penguins change a time or something, and you happen to be the only person there, right? So I'm in Boston, and they're practicing that day. It's an off-day practice of the Penguins. I'm the only media guy there, but I'm clear everybody sees I'm there. I'm sitting in the stands watching practice, and Yager just lights in to Jan Herdina, just lights into him, just berating him. So I wrote a story about it. And then a few weeks later, Yager confronted me in Toronto, which was a great place to go, by the way, city limits. Toronto. Oh, they, on the road in the NHL was just phenomenal. Well, they had the All-Star game this year. I'd never been west of the, you know, the Mississippi in my life, other than I went to Europe. I don't know. Do you fly over the Mississippi to go to Europe? I don't know. I'd been to Europe, but I'd never been in this country west of the Mississippi. Yeah, I don't, I don't think you do. And then suddenly— you know, I'm not that Toronto's west of the Mississippi. Suddenly, I'm going to places like San Jose, L.A., um, way out to Vancouver, which was an amazing city. I'm in Toronto. I'm in Chicago. I'm in Manhattan. They stay at great hotels. I used to fly on the team plane, for God's sakes. You pull your car up to the team plane out at the, you know, the auxiliary airport out there you pull your car right up you get on the plane and then at, you know if you're going to to play a game in jersey or something the next night well you play the game and then you're back home and you're in bed by 1 a.m it was an amazing life although it was made problematic when the best player in the world didn't want to be around me or even talk to me it was unbelievable but anyway he lights into herdina this day in boston and then <clears throat> in Toronto, Yager confronts me in a hallway. I think I was just walking out to get a cup of coffee. I don't know where he was going. It wasn't even on the way to a skate. It was just like we saw each other. He says, did you write what happened with Yanni? I say, yes. He said, why did you do that? I said, because I saw it. He said, do you know what they're doing to me back there in the Czech Republic? They're crucifying me. They say I yell at the players, that I hit the players. He didn't hit Herdina, by the way. I didn't read it, but they're telling me it's you. I say I can't control what they do with it. You know, I just, I wrote it. And he said, you don't understand. I wish you could stand in my shoes once and know what it's like. You don't understand. And, and he was right. And years later when he came back, uh, he still doesn't. The, the, the times I saw him, for the most part, especially in front of other people. He didn't want to talk to me. <clears throat> I think he still has me blocked on social media. I don't know. But this one time that he came back in a flyer uniform, we spoke, and I said, you were right. You know, uh, I didn't understand what it was like, and it couldn't have been easy. And he seemed to appreciate that. Um, but, man, it's just it's so many snapshots. And then the crazy thing was when he got traded here to D.C., the Penguins hooked me up in Czech, in, in the Czech Republic, with Yager. And we had a great interview. He was riding on an exercise bike. I'll never forget that one either. And opened up to me again. Like, like our, our, our professional relationship began with an incredible interview and ended with an incredible interview and was pure hell in between for the most part. 
And I also went to Washington and did a piece on him early in his tenure there, and he was very gracious there, and he was in the middle of doing a bunch of charity work, which he always did. One thing I never, ever doubted about Yager was that he had a giant heart, because he did. But he was extremely complex, complicated guy. And I've never, ever in 30, 35 years in this business covered somebody who, who was on more of an emotional roller coaster day to day than him. He would be giddy one day, just almost like on a high, laughing, joking, you know. And then the next would be as low as could be, just morose and, and completely unapproachable as I wrote today. And I don't know that that roller coaster temperament served his, him well as a captain. I don't think he wanted to be a captain. Sometimes I wonder if he would have stayed here his whole career if Mario hadn't retired the first time or if Ronnie Francis had stayed in Pittsburgh instead of going to Carolina in his later years. I don't know. Just a really, really interesting, complicated dude. And it was, it was, you know, he had this childlike joy about him early in his career. Because I was around a little bit then, too. But it wasn't hard to get stories and observe that, you know, from afar either. And like a lot of us who work our lives in sports, it's like Peter Pan syndrome. You know, we never grow up. I can relate to that. I could always relate to him on that. And I think, as Steige said yesterday, as things got more serious and more problematic with the Penguins, the weight of the world dropped on Yager. You know, it's like Peter Pan meets the real world, the adult world. And all the responsibilities of being a team captain at a time when the Penguins were headed into bankruptcy and fighting for their survival. And it was too much, man. It was too much for him. At times, <clears throat> at times, like in the Jersey series, he responded in heroic fashion and basically staved off relocation for the Penguins. But the day-to-day -day work of being a leader and a captain and that guy, it just wasn't for him. And yeah, I, 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 I've often wondered if, if maybe Ronnie Francis sticking around might have changed that for him when you're second in, in command. You're the second guy, you know, you're Scottie Pippen. And you're still, you're a combination of Jordan and Pippen. You know, you're the greatest player, but you don't have to carry the weight of the world on your shoulders. And it just got to be too much, you know, and that led to the dying alive quote and the trade requests and then sort of an unhappy departure and then all the unhappy scenes at the arena with people booing him and stuff like that and the Flyers flirtation and how that went. And it just, it never seemed right. And I'm glad that the Penguins and Yager and all of us can finally make it right. I'm not the only one that had a complicated relationship with the guy. So did you, if you're one of the people who booed him for a while. But I think time cures all of that. I think what we can look on now, look back on with Yager, is the good times. And man, there were lots of them from the minute he walked through the door. That guy won four straight scoring championships, which is as many as Sid and Gino combined. Like I said, that word legend gets overused. This guy is a legend, and it's going to be quite the sight on Sunday.
That place is going to go nuts. There's going to be tears. There's going to be raucous cheers. And he's going to deserve all of that. It's going to be quite a day in Penguins history. Quite a day when that that 68 goes to the rafters for a really sort of mysterious and complicated guy, you know? feel like we never really knew him, but man, what a performer. What a showman. What a great, great hockey player. And like I said, I think underneath all of that stuff, a guy with a big heart. It's 10.56. Time to stop blindly paying those increasing auto and home insurance premiums. Contact the Buell Insurance Agency and Gibsonia. See what they can do for you. 50-minute mark on the fan brought to you by South Hills Chrysler Jeep Dodge Route 19 in Peters Township. Celebrating 50 years in the South Hills. And now it's time for Starkey's Card of the Week. From the baseball card castle in Cranberry from General Patton, our friend Jeff Patton. Contests run every Wednesday through Friday at noon at the 937thefan.com contesting page. I can't imagine, General. I mean, unless I'm missing my guess here, um, this has to be a Yager card, right? General? Yeah, how are you? Good. I don't know if Mr. P, did you put him on there, Mr. P? Yeah, he's on. I know he is now. Might have been out of the wrong phone channel, but we got him. We got him. So is it a Yager card? You know, the Starkey's card of the week listeners are going to think that we conspired on this, but first time we've had an 18-minute introduction to the card, it, it is a Yager card. We got a 1990 Premier Opeachy Yarmir Yager rookie card. And this card transcended. I, I, we had just opened our store three months prior to this card coming out. And it it was among the top five cards we've ever sold in this store. Wow. What are your memories of watching Yager, General? Incredible. What I remember is as a rookie, he would draw penalties and then go sit and wouldn't be on the power play because that team was so loaded with superstars. He yeah. would draw penalty after penalty and then not be on the power play. Right. Exactly. Man, I remember one, for some reason, uh, it sparked a, a play he made, which was lying flat on his stomach, like moving forward, like he was on 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 a rush toward the net. And as he's sliding on his stomach, he reached up and batted a puck out of midair past our friend Ron Hextall. You remember that goal? I, I do, and I also remember that Mario was so great, it was almost hard to believe that somebody that spectacular, it was like we were prejudging him to be too good because in comparison to Mario, you're like, it can't be, right? Like, that's one of my favorite things about going to PPG is you look up at that banner and it goes, Lemieux, 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 Yager, 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 Lemieux, Yager. Like the scoring titles, we've been blessed with so much great hockey here. It's ridiculous. I think the most blessed hockey city <clears throat> in history, to be honest with you, with uh, Lemieux I was looking followed at a by Yager. Photo the other day from, from 91, 92, and you just start pointing. It's like a Hall of Fame roll call. It's crazy. It is. include coaches and executives. I think there's 13 in one picture. I mean, if I started naming them, I'd, I'd keep forgetting people. But but you go from Lemieux to Yager to Crosby and Malkin, and then you throw in, I don't know, whoever you want, Coffey, Stevens, Murphy, Barrasso, Trottier. Francis. Yeah. Francis. And, yeah. And, and all of them. Did I say flurry? I mean, it's just it's crazy. 
Thank you, General. This is a great You're one. You're welcome. All right. Have a good week. For that Yager card, for your chance card, I should say, um, go to our website, 937thefan.com, to our contesting page Wednesday through Friday, right around noon, and you'll have your shot at it. Fan weather brought to you by Sun Chevrolet. Check out special financing for qualified buyers. On new Silverado 1500 trucks, high of 39 today with sunny skies throughout the day. Top of the hour. Let's see, we have Michael McHenry coming up at noon as pitchers and catchers report. That was a great get, City Limits. I'm excited for that. What a man you've become. A lot of baseball today. Yeah. We have the big boy at 1230, Mark Cabali. I have to rip him for something, and now I can't. Oh, the Trubisky Trubisky. thing. Yeah. Remind me to rip him right when he comes on the air. Should we play the train again? We should play him saying Trubisky will be back as their next (laughs) backup quarterback. Yeah, that was. We have to play that. Incorrect. Well. But we can't hold that against him. He no. believed in that, and he's a great, he's a great reporter, yes. honestly, Mark Cabali, and a very entertaining one. Uh, one o'clock, Blake Hinson. And did you adjust with Mackey? We had yes. to tell Mackey. Was he mad about that? No, he said it works. He understood. Mackey at one thirty. He's saying there's going to be moves today, possibly. There's the a possibility pitching, especially but. because you can put guys on the sixty day IL today. So there's a possibility that that happens with guys like Brew Baker. Oviedo, Andy Rodriguez, maybe not so much Brubaker from that being last year, but two guys, Rodriguez and Oviedo, out for the year, so there's two open roster spots. Believe it or not, we're going to talk about golf next. I, I can't believe this, but we have to go back to this insane tournament from the weekend and the fallout from that. This is a great story that I want to talk about with you coming up next. Oh, yeah, of course I want to talk about the Good Feet store. And I've told you before, when I was playing golf, basketball, anytime I'd try to start something to lose weight, my feet would hurt, in particular the joints of my big toes. And you can probably relate, right? I mean, it it just ruins everything. It's discouraging. You don't want to go on with it. Well, the Good Feet Store worked for me. It could work for you. Arch Support System, the Good Feet Arch Support System, is designed to provide pain relief, balance, comfort, maybe some lower back issues you're having. The adjustments are there. They Like a good coach, they make the right adjustments, and it's customized. Of course, you don't have to get new shoes, anything like that. Whatever shoes you got, they work with, and I feel better. My feet feel better. Maybe you're having plantar fasciitis. Maybe you're having pain and burning in the balls of your feet. Something like that. This can work for you. The Good Feet Store pain relief solution. I went to the one in Robinson Town Center across from Ikea. Also one in Cranberry Township on Route 19 North next to Walgreens. Check them out at goodfeet.com. Or come on in and try the Good Feet feeling today. Comfort, energy, performance, and pain relief. I'm Austin Bechtel with your fan headlines. Pitchers and catchers report to Bradenton today as spring training is officially underway at Pirate City for the 2024 season. The Pirates are also reportedly interested in a couple of starters for the Miami Marlins. There has been some discussions, but multiple reports have said that a trade could happen today. Discussing with Jason Mackey at 1.30 what potentially could happen. Michael McHenry, Pirates analyst, also joins us later on today at noon. As the as Pitt basketball, rather, should say, had a big win last night against Virginia, 74-63 on the road. Blake Kinson, 27 points in the victory. He will join us today at 1.
Headlines are powered by Bowser and Genesis of Monroeville. Now open for more, go to 937thefan.com.